Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program where we put the world of motoring and transport under the microscope. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories from around the world including the prototype in-car safety system that anticipates a driver's mistakes. We road test the Lexus RC350, a good-looking two-door sports car. We also test the Mazda 3, many features but a bit pricey. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories including why car babes are banned from the China Auto Show. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news. Researchers at Cornell and Stanford Universities have developed a system that watches drivers to determine when they are about to do something wrong, so that it can warn them not to. The Brain for Cars system analyzes drivers' head movements and monitors the road ahead to determine what they are planning to do. Although some cars already are equipped with safety systems that monitor the vehicle's movement and warn if there is an unsafe turn or lane change, that warning comes too late, after the driver has acted. By observing the driver's body language and considering it in the context of what is happening outside the car, a new algorithm in the Brain for Cars system determines the probability that the driver will turn, change lanes or continue straight ahead and will warn them when this is unsafe. Australia is the most expensive country to live in, according to Deutsche Bank's annual World Consumer Price Index for 2014, with Sydney and Melbourne in the top 10 most expensive cities at 5th and 8th respectively. But it is in the areas of transport that our two biggest cities prove to be very expensive. Both Sydney and Melbourne have higher public transport fares than any other city included in the study, with both narrowly edging out New York. For taxi fares, Sydney is 15% more expensive than New York, while Melbourne is only around 10% cheaper. General Motors went bankrupt in 2009, and a legal ruling might now save them billions of dollars in lawsuits. For several years, GM has been confronted with an increasing number of claims for death, injuries and losses arising from a faulty ignition switch, which could cause the vehicle to stall and the steering to lock. US bankruptcy judge Robert Gerber has upheld a legal shield that protects the new GM from claims originating before its 2009 bankruptcy and restructuring. The vast majority of claims, seeking as much as $10 billion, are for economic losses, such as diminished resale value due to the defects, or those who unknowingly bought used cars. It applies to as many as 70 million GM cars and trucks that were on the road before the company's exit from bankruptcy. The decision stalls more than 140 lawsuits across the US. The ANCAP Safety Ratings Agency has awarded the new generation Mitsubishi Triton a five-star safety rating. Five-star ratings have also been awarded to the BMW i3, 
Land Rover Discovery Sport, Renault Captur and Tesla Model S. The BMW 2 Series Active Tourer and Mini Cooper, however, have scored only 4 stars. BMW has expressed surprise at the result as the 2 Series Active Tourer, which was reviewed recently by Overdrive, received a 5-star rating from the European Testing Agency. In total contrast, ANCAP has awarded the BMW i3 electric car the maximum 5 stars, while it only got 4 stars in Europe. The high-scoring Mitsubishi Triton is an excellent result, as only 57% of light commercial vehicles sold in Australia scored a maximum 5 stars. In comparison, 90% of new passenger vehicles sold are 5 star rated. Vehicles owned by New South Wales government organisations represent a cost of $250 million a year. But rather than only own or lease vehicles, the government is looking at other means of servicing their transport needs. Often government cars do much fewer kilometres than other commercial vehicles, and owning many cars that spend a lot of their time parked in a garage does not make good economic sense. In the future, car sharing and car rental will be put squarely in the mix for ad hoc public service vehicle use. A trial of car sharing services, including GoGet, launched in October 2014 in the Office of Finance and Services, produced an annual saving of around $14 million for that department alone. And while on the subject of large fleets, for 30 years the US Postal Service has been delivering parcels in boxy delivering vans, the Grumman Long Life Vehicle, the newest of which were built in 1994. Now they need to be replaced. The Postal Service says it needs 180,000 new vehicles, which it estimates will cost thirty-two dollars to $45,000 Australian each. In other words, the contract could be worth as much as $8 billion. The Postal Service is looking to thoroughly modernise its fleet with vehicles that are safer, more efficient and produce lower levels of carbon dioxide emissions. Shipping and package volume had increased 12% over last year, pushed along by companies such as Amazon that deliver their books via this service. And that has been the news. Lexus is soon to have its 25th anniversary. In that time, they have produced many well-spec cars at very competitive prices. They have not always, though, been the prettiest of cars. It was your mind rather than your emotions that push you towards the mark. In that time, they've had only two two-door coupes and they have ranged from the sublime to the ridiculous now they have launched the rc onto the market now lexus australia's chief executive sean hanley said the introduction of the rc 350 was a necessary step in lifting the brand's ability to stir emotions i think he's got a point now, I've driven the car, and as has Brent Davison from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury. He's here on the line to tell us about it. Brent, did it stir your emotions? 
Absolutely. I was stirred. No, Hanley is right. Sean Hanley is absolutely right. We, we have had 20-plus um, years of very nice, technically well-built, put-together, well-equipped, etc., etc., Lexuses, but you could walk past them in the car park and, and not even remember them, mm. whereas this one, it, it, it makes your juices flow. That's the best I can say. I mean, this, this is a good car. What we have to remember here, David, is that this is the first Lexus that has been signed off by an abbreviated panel. Now, in the past, every Lexus model had to be signed off by around about 200 individuals, yes. right? 200 men, all men, no women, uh, all, all ticked the box to say, yes, I agree that this car can go into production. That ended just before this car came to, to in, into fruition, came into being, and uh, I think it's now signed off by about 65 people. So we have more scope for a more visually fulfilling car. If you have a lot of people signing off on it, it rounds out the edges, doesn't it? It doesn't allow you to be um, inventive and creative because exactly someone right. along the line won't like it. I found the uh, slightly bulky front nose, but the swooping lines to the back I think are a beautiful feature of the car, and it, it really looks rather good. I, I'm not a great fan of Toyota's cars from their looks. I, I'm one who thinks the 86 is not a pretty sports car, two-door David, sports you car. David, you and I are having uh, uh, pistols at dawn, if that's the case. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I, it just... It, 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 the, the RC, the Lexus 350, I think has um, a, a, some much more elegance to it. Yeah, indeed, it is a very uh, elegant car, uh, you know, sporty and elegant at the same time. The other nice thing, though, is when you come to drive it, it, it just oozes, as you would expect from a Lexus, practicality. You know, it is not uh, a daunting car to drive. It feels good. You know, it, it not only does it feel good, it makes you feel good. Uh, but like I say, you, you're not you're not uh, worried that it's it's a fragile piece of work like. Some of the European cars might be. You 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 tend to treat it with maybe a little a little degree of disdain, and that's never a bad thing with a car like this because this is a car to be enjoyed first and foremost. Hmm. And when and when you say practicality, and I think that's where it betters what I talked about the perhaps more ridiculous two-door coupe they had the four thirty. Do you remember yeah. that now? I, I define that as a, a, a piece of art. It was expensive, it provoked, provoked comment, and it was fairly useless. And mm. so, you know, it wasn't practical at all. The, that was where I developed the expression of a rear seat was nothing more than an upholstered uh, parcel shelf. Really, yeah. you, know, you, you really had no room by, for legroom behind the drivers, and it was a funny... Yes, that, that, that car was developed, David, from from uh, uh, engineers spent or designers spending time looking at uh, boats, and to <laughs> me, that's what it looked like—a boat that had been turned uh, upside down. <laughs> yes, of, of course. Um, there, there is uh, the glorious one. What is it? The LFA, isn't it? What, what was the uh, the, the great um, Lexus uh, sports car? Yeah, the supercar, the LFA, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, that, of course, was the Sublime, which they've done, but they're very expensive. I think only 500 of them were made. But the RC350, now this one is the V6, 3.5 litre, hence the number, uh, a V6 engine, but with still a fair amount of poke. Oh, yeah, we've got 
233 kilowatts. I mean, you know, there are quite a few V8 engines out there that would actually like that sort of uh, sort of power. 378 newton meters to go with it, uh, and and the other nice thing is an eight-speed automatic transmission. Mm. This car will never, ever, ever be found lacking in gears. Mm. It, it will manage itself quite nicely. It, it, to get into eighth gear, you've got to be doing a reasonable turn of speed. Well, don't forget, though, that, that what we're seeing these days is that uh, the, the, the taller top gears are there just for uh, fuel consumption numbers and carbon dioxide numbers. Brent, lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. David, it's always my pleasure. That's Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury. And we were talking together about our driving experiences with the Lexus. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Diesel cars were once the noisy and slow option for people whose main requirement was to reduce their fuel consumption. They have now become quieter and have better performance, often associated with SUVs, but are diesels the engine for the moderate-sized cars like the Corolla and the Mazda 3? Well, Corolla doesn't have a diesel in this class, but Mazda has released a diesel version, and it's aimed upmarket. It is the top-of-the-range model, the XD Astina. A distinctive car? Let's hear what motoring journalist Ian Crawford has to say about it. Ian, I've got to say, I know the styling has been with the Mazda 3, the new Mazda 3, for some months now, but gee, uh, every time I look at it, I think it's uh, a good way to go. Oh yeah, it's still a very handsome car. It's held up very well. It's, as you say, the styling's been around a little while, but um, uh, of, of the other things that are in the class, um, the, the Mazda more than holds its own in terms of styling. I parked it on the street and went to a park to play with a kid and was looking down on the vehicle. It looked long and low cut. The nose is a bit different from everything. It's almost got a, 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 a slight, a very slight hint of that E-type Jag your nose with the bulge over the the wheels <laughs> oh, yeah okay i hadn't thought about that but uh yeah it, it is a distinctive style and and uh, this kodo design that mazda has across the range now uh, is very much a family look and that's quite deliberate uh, but it, it works very well hmm. i'm not saying it looks like an e-type as such but just that little hint of style about the longer nose to it and more prominent nose to it well not nose but there's sort of the whole bonnet line to it now the diesel it's a good one twin turbo yeah it's an outstanding diesel um the japanese manufacturers dragged their feet really on putting diesels in cars they had them in their utes and things but they didn't put them in their cars because mainly the japanese market doesn't like diesels but for, for the the japanese brands to compete in europe they had to go diesel we're given that what 50 odd percent of the passenger cars in europe are diesel um mazda got it right very quickly i remember 
the first time I drove a Mazda diesel, the Mazda 6, a few years ago, and uh, I, I remember writing at the time that uh, it was right up there with the best of the European diesels. Hmm. Yeah, this one, it, it revs out quite well, really. It uh, it's not, you know, doesn't get uh, so breathy. It still only goes to about, what, four and a half, five thousand, but uh, it, it seems to handle those revs well. Yes, it does. And importantly, the torque's on tap from 2,000 uh, RPM. The, what's remarkable about this, you, you've got to put this thing in perspective. This thing, the 2.2 litre diesel's got 420 newton metres. That's the same as the, the award-winning Volkswagen Amarok Ute <laughs> has got, 420 newton metres in auto. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's an outstanding engine. And, and the grunt, I mean, going up hills and passing people, it, it just laughs at, at hills and overtaking it. Um, it, it really does deliver its torque beautifully. Yeah, and without any turbo lag, I think the two twin turbos help with that. Oh, yeah, they've got the lag thing sorted. Um, and, of course, being diesel, it's very economical. It's, uh, you know, 5.2 um, litres per hundred uh, is the figure that Mazda claims. Um, and And... As you said, this uh, diesels are not the not the old noisy slugs they used to be. I mean, this 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 little Mazda will will sprint to a hundred kilometres an hour in 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 the seven second range. And to put that in perspective, you know, GT Falcons back in their early days were only doing about seven seven and a half seconds. So, you know, this is it's not a hot hatch, but it's certainly a warm one. <laughs> Uh, we've come a long way in terms of performance, haven't we, from the GTHO days, which were lumpy big engines that uh, you really uh, you know, knew you were driving hard to modern cars that seem to swoosh their way through to comfortable high performance. Oh, yes, there's no doubt engines have come. Even, even in the past four or five years, engines have come a, a hell of a long way um, in terms of fuel efficiency and torque delivery and all of those and cleanliness in terms of their emissions. Uh, there's been a hell of a lot of work done by the car companies. Hmm. Now, this is the first appearance of IE Loop. That's the brake energy regeneration system. That's, uh, it's not a hybrid, but it's sort of trying to use that sort of technology a bit. Yes, as, as I'm saying, um, you know, the, the work that the car companies are doing into into all aspects of the efficiency of their engines is quite remarkable, and this is this is just another example of it. Ian, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. That's a pleasure, David. That's uh, Ian Crawford, uh, the motoring journalist, talking about the Mazda 3 diesel, which is now on the market. And you can hear a longer interview by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. It's controversy corner time, so to speak. And to join me this week, I have on the line Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. I'll start with a story. The Shanghai Annual Car Show opens this week. Now, one particular detail will be missing. That is the young female models sitting provocatively on car hoods in revealing outfits to attract visitors. They had become synonymous with car shows in China, but now they have been banned in this particular show. Is that a good idea, Errol? What do you think? 
I don't know. Um, it, it seems like they're ruling out some of their potential attendees, straight men, for yeah. example. Or gay women. And they've also banned children and, by extension, families. They you know, seem we, to be limiting seen, their market. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen car shows sort of declining of late, uh, you know, especially in Australia. So it kind of seems like a bit of a backward step to me, but um, mm. who knows? I do know one uh, past member of the Overdrive team who went and bought a new car and then he was gently uh, shuffled into a very young, pretty-looking lady who then sold him an awful lot of optional extras. That's the the, the cliche, isn't it, of, mm. of what they do to, to upsell you with all those uh, sort of questionable add-ons, you know, rust protections and all this yes. kind of stuff, isn't it? can be helpful. Look, I actually don't like them that much. If you were impressed by the girls, you don't look at the cars. And if you're put off by the girls, perhaps because it's sexist, then you don't respect the manufacturer. So, mm. But then again, if you, if you drape a model over a cherry or a great, great wall, well, you, you're kind of starting from a low base. <laughs> you want to distract them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, possibly. <laughs> now, look, I've, I've never been in a brothel, but I have seen ladies of the night on the street and in TV coverage. You're, you're, you're still young, David. <laughs> I have never been in a brothel yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, I find the most unattractive because it's so false. You can't believe in any way that they're attracted to you, no matter how much they might pout, yes. sensuously look at you. Isn't this much like the cars? I mean, the, the girls, ultimately, they're uh, interested in your wallet, yes. not you. <laughs> yes, it is a form it's of pretty, prostitution. Pretty similar, really. <laughs> I went out with some people one time, and they said, come on, we'll go to this club. I went to the club. It was a strip club. I thought it was the most incredibly sad thing I've ever seen. All these guys standing around while these young girls did pole dancing, trying to look alluring. I left halfway. I just just doesn't appeal to me at all not that you know i have two children i you know it's not as if uh, i'm without uh, an interest in the area that they might be trying to portray but the fact that it's just so false just doesn't appeal to me you're a married man david so obviously you've got no interest in those things um <laughs> Some years ago, Peugeot at the Sydney Motor Show, for the press launch, not for the rest of it, they had a topless lady. She was painted in body paint. And I've right, got to say... Right. So, she, so she, was, she was only topless if you examined her closely, which I'm sure many men would have been happy to do. Yeah, I, I don't think it went over all that well. I always prefer the elegantly dressed women. They give the car a bit more sort of uh, respectability, don't they? Because uh, uh, that's that's the kind of lady you want you want in your uh, in your roles. There was a time a few years ago when there was a financial crisis on, and they they tended not to dress the women in skimpy clothes. They tended to put the more business suited woman. I, I for that very reason you were saying, I found that far more convincing. Although I I mm. still find the photo of the lady in the white bodysuit getting out of a 1969 Monaro to be very evocative. Now, I'm, so I'm a bit, <laughs> con, con, you know, perhaps I'm contradicting myself there, but I must say I never bought a Monaro. So No, but you like the ad. But I love the ad, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was interesting how they've, they've banned models and children, so um, the child models have been double banned. Yeah, so... Apparently the... They've now got a 30-year-old male uh, weighing 80 kilograms sitting in a baby seat in the back back of the car. 
Well, apparently um, the, the children have been banned for safety reasons. Hmm. And this is because apparently a, a child uh, managed to get inside a Tesla Model S and start the engine, allowing the car to roll down the show floor. Huh? Now, I'm quoting here because um, and what Tesla Model S doesn't have an engine. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, it has an electric engine, but, I suppose. Yes, well, it has an um, electric motor, okay. I suppose, but you don't start it, start no. the engine before you go. But um, the, my question is really, why was the key anywhere near it? Well, that's true. It's really, the um, how, how did a kid manage to start any of the vehicles there? It's um, well, you know, anyway. people will pinch anything from a motor show that's not tied down. <laughs> it, in fact, a mate of mine reckons there was a Ford at a motor show in England one time where some people actually pinched the engine. They got the engine out of the car and pinched it. How they did that, I've got what, no idea. What, so he claims. What, what they just had a, had, a, had a couple of spanners in their back pocket, <laughs> did they, on their way in? Apparently, car dealers are going to find a way around this new restriction. They're going to have uh, models as, quote, receptionists or sales consultants. Well, well, yes, there's always the fine, fine print, isn't there? You probably uh, look at anything. Uh, with a, a young girl who's skimp, uh, clad rather scantily in front of you. Yes. <laughs> Still. Ah, uh, well, let's let, let's see how it works out. Who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We'll look at that. We'll look at the, the numbers going through. Will be the uh, the the uh, the ultimate test, won't they? Yeah. Uh, putting it that way, yes, yes. Now, Sydney trains. Uh, Errol, I'm old enough to remember parcel vans. They were single carriages that would deliver parcels to stations. Now, I always thought that, that they went uh, along with the ARC so many years ago. They are making a comeback. Sydney trains has called for proposals for a 12-month trial of click-and-collect parcel services. They reckon that that might be a new revenue stream for the New South Wales government. They, this would allow customers to order certain products online and collect their shopping at a train station. Is there a market for that, you think, now, Errol? It doesn't look like they're going to do it at every station. So it, if I wanted this, I'd want it to be at the station at my home end of the trip, not at my work end. Because hmm. I don't have to carry the thing all the way on the train. So... Um, We'll see. If it's going to be a bit limited, it might, they might be limiting their uh, potential audience. Errol, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate that. No worries, David. And that's Errol Smith, and we were talking the more unusual stories and uh, some different sort of takes on issues to do with motoring and transport. And you can hear more discussion of that story and other quirky news features, including a real-life superhero who dresses up as a giant grasshopper as part of an anti-drink driving campaign, and a business suit you can wear while riding on a bike. Just go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Ian Crawford, Brent Davidson and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.